right. Welcome to another week of Between Two Pines. Uh, this week, you got myself, Austin, and my lovely, as always, co-host, Mr. Zach. And uh, Zach, this is actually our 10th episode. So congratulations, so congratulations on making it to, to 10. Um, but this, we're, we're doing it. We're, we're the real deal. Um, so uh, this week, uh, pretty standard setup. We're going to be talking about some news articles from the outdoors. Um, we got some interesting articles, uh, kayaker, those found in the other, uh, in the Everglades, um, some things that you catch off a bridge in Gary, Indiana. And then we have two topics that we're going to talk about a little bit more in depth. Um, one is, uh, some elk research in Idaho that's getting some flack. And then another interesting proposal potentially by the state of Wisconsin in regards to Wisconsin, uh, gun season. Then we'll get into our main topics, and then I think this week we're going to close out with uh, some cooking advice from Zach and uh, another, as always, uh, hot gear, cold beer. So, uh, Zach, before we start, uh, what did you do in the outdoors this week? Anything fun and exciting? Um, nothing too exciting. Trapping season, land trapping ended this last weekend. Um Weather's been super choppy. I think on Monday it was seventy-two degrees here, and Lord. today it was raining and thirty-three degrees all day long. Goodness! So it's just kind of uh, I don't know, tough to do stuff outside right now. We've gotten a lot of rain recently, but I did uh, flesh, dry, tan, and cut up a raccoon pelt and actually got a real nice looking uh, raccoon fur headband sewed up. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, that looked that looked quite cozy. Yeah, so I got I was able to get cut two out of my first coon hide and then I got I got probably eight more raccoons in the freezer. I'm going to try and do something like that with. So just something fun keep me busy while it's crappy weather out, but hand sewing it's it's a labor of love, but it's pretty fun. Yeah, no, it seems like, uh, yeah, I mean, they look good. I mean, it's probably yeah, just a fun thing to do. I mean, if you're just sitting around in the winter, why not? Um, yeah, that's cool. And uh, so you got some trapping in anything else? Not really. I, uh, yeah, did some laundry this weekend, and that's about <laughs> it. Yeah, that's I know. It's cool, a, I guess. Yeah, it's a weird time of year. I mean, it's tough to get out, but. Yeah. What are you going to do? Shed hunting should pick up soon, so that'll probably take up a lot of my off time. Oh, yeah? Yeah. No, that, you should train your hamster on to, uh, to hunt sheds. <laughs> he loves chewing on them. I, I cut off little tiny top tines for him, and he loves chewing on them. And his nice. name is Venison, so. <laughs> his name is Ven. I didn't know you named him Venison. That's hilarious. Yeah, we call him Venny um, for short. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, no, I, I didn't, uh, I, well, no, actually I should, I should take that back. I got out, we did, um, me and the lady friend, uh, we went up North this weekend, um, and we got a lot of snowmobiling in. So that was a lot of fun. Probably put, I don't know, maybe hundred miles on the sleds, something like that. I mean, got to hang out, look around in the North woods. Um, just, I mean, more or less the, the main things we did. Oh, we, we did some ax throwing. We uh, hung out with some buddies. We uh, 
had some some venison that was cooked over an open fire we had uh some we we just hung out on the ice had a big fire cooked a bunch of food we had tip-ups out none went off but yeah it was a good time just snowmobiled all weekend it was a lot of fun tip-ups and a case of beer are really tough to beat out on the ice for a day yeah well in the uh the person's house that we uh that it was a buddy of mine one of my former ranger friends or co-workers uh he was staying at a buddy's place they own their own island in the middle <laughs> of the lake and this house was the coolest freaking house i ever seen in my entire life and uh was yeah the it was sweet. on the island the house was on the island and they own the island as well jesus it was insane yeah it was it was the house was a Dude, I had a spiral staircase, a secret entrance to get into a bathroom where you open up a bookcase and it goes in there. One of the showers has windows on the shower and you're in the corner of the house. And so you have a you look out over the lake while you're showering and you're just in a glass like you're out over the lake. It was awesome. Um, Jeez, you had me at spiral staircase. I could have told you'd be fancy after that. yeah. Oh man, the place was sweet. Yeah, but yeah, that they that guy there, he's definitely got a spread. But yeah, no, they were. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. We hung out and just threw axes and ate and drank and had a merry time. Uh, yeah, but yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much all I did working on my sled, just kind of hanging out, getting ready for. I uh, got a fishing tournament up here in a couple weeks, so might get out on the lake this week and try and pre-fish that a little bit. Good stuff. How thick the ice? Uh, ask me in an hour, and I'll tell you. It's changing so much right now. It is so hard to get a read on it, and that's why I'm actually concerned. This weekend, I was uh, I was actually potentially going to bring my snowmobile over to do some uh, ice drag races, uh, just for you know shits and grins. My snowmobile is slower than molasses, but um, they actually canceled the event uh, because they weren't trusting the ice which right now it's so hit or miss. It really depends on the stretch of river that you're on and the time of day and a million other things. Cause it's basically ice slush, ice slush is what's happening right now. So yeah. there's like, you have like six inches of slush and then you break through a quarter inch of ice and then another three, four inches of water. And then you're on solid ice, which is probably at best, you know, 18 inches at worst it's open water yeah no i know you guys have been getting some funky weather out there and that's got to be tough and walking through any type of slush is no fun for fishing so yeah no kidding so yeah but i mean well hopefully uh by the 16th which this tournament is um it'll be it'll be good so yeah but um yeah i mean that, that was my weekend um Nothing too fun and exciting, but uh, well, I th- I think we can uh, I think we can get right into the news articles here. What do you think? Let's do it. All right. So we got our first article here, which Zach, are you a fan of The Office? Uh, big fan. Big fan of The Office. You remember the uh, the episode where um, what's his name? Uh, uh, Andy. Andy. Yes, where Andy. <laughs> Uh, is in the sumo suit and he just is floating around uh, <laughs> yeah. when they do the the, the company retreat. Um, that's pretty much what happened to this uh, this gentleman in Florida, which um, I don't want to, you know, I, I shouldn't make too much fun of it because it was a it was kind of a harrowing 
rescue mission. Um, but yeah, this guy in Florida, he was a kayaker. He, uh, he basically got declared missing and they found him what seven days later. Um, he had fallen out of his kayak and they just found him floating around in the middle of the Everglades <laughs> in his life jacket, which I shouldn't make fun of it because the dude could have easily died, but, uh, he didn't. And, uh, they, uh, the Florida Everglades, uh, us park rangers were able to, uh, rescue him after an, uh, an aerial search. And, uh, yeah, so all's well, but did you, did you watch got- the video? <laughs> not yet he did they decided he got uh he was convulsing upon retrieval and he had been in the water for two at least two whole days dude could you imagine being in the everglades every crocodile within five clicks there was licking their chops seeing a floating piece of human bacon yeah just going around i i would God. think every minute was a blessing in his mind Yes, that is so. That I mean, big ups to this guy, Mark uh, Maielli. Um But yeah, that is that is bonkers. I mean, big ups to this dude. That's why you wear your PFD. Um, you know, word of the wise, maybe bring out a uh, a GPS beacon if you're ever going to be in the back country that goes for kayaking, hiking, hunting, whatever have you. And tell yeah. somebody your plan. Tell like a, just like a hunt plan, but just tell somebody. If you're going to be gone for a couple of days, where you where you think you're going to be each day? Yeah, well, that that's why that's how they found this guy because he was actually uh, supposed to be back on the 29th, um, and uh, he wasn't back. So they they were like, oh, we you know people reported him missing. Um, so four days later, they found uh, they were searching for him. They found a bag with his wallet and his phone that had washed up, and, uh, and then they started doing an aerial search, and they found him just kind of meandering along the Everglades wearing his life jacket. Which yeah. the video is I'm sorry, the video is pretty funny, but this is not a laughing matter, but I'm still gonna laugh. So <laughs> it reminded me exactly of Andy wearing the same suit. I'm with Thunder Mifflin, my group Oh man. Funny. Because he's stuff. alive. Yeah, it yeah, exactly. If he was dead we would not be laughing. But he's alive and now he's got a, a, a good tale uh to tell but uh zach uh i know you this next article you didn't get a uh, i don't think you got a chance to read ahead of time but um it's pretty straightforward here um nothing against no actually you know what yes i'm gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> flat out say it gary indiana is the butthole of the United States. <laughs> i'm sorry us. you know what Hot take. I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. I'm not sorry. But being from Chicago, Gary Indiana is the beehole, the gooch, whatever you want to call it. It is not the nicest place to live. Um, but there was a uh, an angler fishing off of a bridge in Gary, Indiana, and uh, you know he he feels something, thinks it's a snag, starts reeling it in. You know what it is, Zach. Tell me. It's a live grenade. Holy (laughs) shit. (laughs) It is a live grenade, and they had to, uh, soon after uh, he reels this thing up, uh, he he realizes that he had just caught a live grenade, pin still in it, and, uh, yeah, so they called uh, the bomb squad. The bomb squad had to come in, take possession of of the grenade, 
and uh, you know, I'm sure they diffused it or whatever. But they they stay strapped in Gary, Indiana. <laughs> Don't bring a gun to a grenade fight. <laughs> Absolutely not. Not in Gary. But could could you? What would you do if if you brought up a grenade? Uh, I'd say thank you and uh, pull a pin and throw it back in the river and then pick up my daily limit of fish from that. <laughs> yes, exactly. Wow, thanks for the free grenade. <laughs> Slater. Yeah, that is uh, that is insane, but I think uh, maybe Gary, Indiana and maybe like Iwo Jima is the only two places <laughs> you could still reel up a, a live grenade. Yeah, that's insane. You could have just started off and saying like, hey, where do you think this happened? And some guy reeled up a live <laughs> grenade. I'd say Gary, Indiana. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, we did have a uh, – when I was a park ranger, we actually had a similar incident where somebody um, – snagged a uh, an old uh, 50 cal but that was because that that preserve was actually an old army base and so there was like a world war ii 50 cal that was all bent and banged up but yeah they pulled that up so yeah weird that's stuff, pretty man. sweet yeah yeah it's, uh, i think we have it in like a museum or something now but yeah crazy stuff all right zach um i'm gonna let you lead into these next two articles here because um they're both really interesting, and I think these uh, are going to um, elicit a little bit more of discussion between the two of us here. So do you want to lead us into this next one with these uh, elk in Idaho? Yeah, sure. Um, I'm just jumping wherever I'm skimming over. But basically, a uh, grad student in Idaho, they go to the University of Idaho, I believe it was, uh, I don't actually, I don't think, yeah, was it University of Idaho? Yes. Yes, it was. Yeah. Um, uh, They're basically doing uh, some kind of depredation uh, study to kind of manage what elk damage has been going on on some private properties. Uh, I think it was Southern in Idaho, if I recall. And then uh, basically what it came down to is they had to shoot a lot of elk just for uh, just to kind of uh, wean down the damage that they were causing on private lands. Uh, the number ends up being 206 that got uh, culled out. Uh, some of it, some of them were shot at night and up to six elk got shot in one night, but uh, just a big research study and uh helps out some local farmers and stuff with the property damage. And um, according to some of the biologists, it represented less than 1% of the population in that area. So if that's, uh, that's what it takes to kind of lessen this property damage, then I guess they'll find out they haven't really released any research yet, but I guess they'll have to see. Yeah. So, I I have mixed emotions about this about this. There's a uh, lot there. There's a lot here, and uh, I you know and uh, you know I want to hear your thoughts on this, Zach. But um, is my thoughts initially were like, what the heck? Because I I absolutely and I'm a huge purveyor of uh, you know sometimes you need to do. Um, uh, you know, you need to call the herds for both um, 
property damage and for keeping the general population, you know, healthy. Um, but my thing is here is because it is a graduate student, this is where it gets iffy for me. Because if this was a fishing game or Department of Agriculture or uh, Department of Fish and Wildlife, um, you know, I'd say, okay, all for it, government sponsored, you know, these are biologists doing research. Because this is a graduate student, this is where I have my concerns. Because this isn't, there's someone that's benefiting from this research. And it's a graduate student doing his, his or her um, thesis on this topic. And that's where there needs to be complete clarity on this. And, you know, if I was a hunter in this area, I would be pissed. I'm going to be totally honest with you. I'd be totally pissed about this. But, you know, I, I see the need for culling. But just for a graduate student's research, eh, that's iffy for me. What do you think, Zach? Yeah, I can get behind that. Um, I mean, I would say there's a lot we don't know here yet. Um, things like, you know, what is the hunting uh, culture like down there? Is there any private land to get on? Do do these farmers not let hunters on at all? Is there is there something going on where the only way to manage this damage is to get rid of these animals by this way and not hunters ways or you know stuff like that um i'm all for the damage stuff you know helping out the farmers and whatnot but i also see the other side of it where if i need to put a fence around my house i don't get any help from the government for it for uh you know protection purposes or if i need to put a security system in my house i don't get any help from the government for it but then this uh, grad student gets to go out there and shoot 206 deer just because um, you know they're causing or 206 elk sorry just because they're causing a bunch of damage on properties um, I don't know I'm kind of I could go either way on it I'm just kind of puzzled by the whole thing and then too it just uh, you know it could be the catalyst this research could be the catalyst needed for uh, game and fish to actually do some new type of management. Yeah, no, and that and that and that's actually do the work. Yeah, and that's kind of where I'm at with it is because I absolutely see the need for research like this because you never know, you know, your best management practices unless you figure out some of this stuff. And obviously, a lot of graduate research does put into this. My thing is, <clears throat> at least from reading the articles is it seems like the there wasn't a lot of transparency to the public that this was going to happen. And once you have that, that's where it gets iffy. Like, imagine if they, you know, if the graduate student, which we don't know this, I don't know, and I'm, I'm going to try and not speculate here, but if the graduate student were to have gone to you know, whatever hunting community gone to the DNR and said, like, I'm going to do this research, you know, maybe we could get public opinion on it. And then I'll decide if I should do this research or not. Um, then I think there would have, you know, maybe talked to the backcountry hunters and anglers in that area or, you know, whoever it is, 
um, and then decided whether to do the research or not based on public opinion. I think that'd be one thing, but um, I think just doing this research and not saying anything about it, which is what I'm led to believe by this article is a totally different monster. Yeah. It's a, Again, we don't really know, but just from what what we can read, it seems like they just kind of went in and did it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think that's where it gets a little bit, little bit fishy for me. I mean, you know, it is what it is, but uh, so all after, the meat did get donated. The meat did get donated, which is good. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I was kind of I was torn on this one about how I feel about it. I see both both the pros and the cons of this, so. Yeah, but that's enough about that. We'll talk about uh, Zach. Th- this is a big one. Yeah, Th- potentially. This is a big one. Do you want to lead us in here? Yeah. Um, so the Natural Resources Board of Wisconsin basically uh, is writing up some potential changes to Wisconsin gun seasons and deer seasons all around. Well, this um, is this is a questionnaire that they're putting out. So just so we're clear for the the audience listening, is this is right? It's a, a it's proposed. Yes, this is proposed. Yes. Um, it's a mess. Um, I don't think it's going to go over too well. Or at least I hope it's not going to go over too well. But they may—they're trying to propose a lot of changes to the gun seasons and deer seasons in general, uh, including just some of the following: consist of uh, limiting crossbow hunting to an October-only season, and then after the November gun season, uh, eliminating the four-day antlerless-only hunt in December banning hunting all around for two to five days leading up to the start of the gun season. Um, And then I think the biggest one and the most clickbait worthy one is extending the gun season by 10 days to make it a 19 day season. And there's a lot there and let's try and pick it apart. What do you think? I think that's a good idea. Where, where do you want to start? Um, Hmm. Why don't we just start with the first one uh, for crossbows in an October? I I read in a separate article that they proposed a crossbow only se- or a crossbow season for October first to October thirty first, and then I think just congruent with the bow season after the gun season's over. Yeah. Um, but let's start there. Well, I'll I'll give my two cents about this. Um, and basically, uh, for those that don't know, uh, in 2018 was the first um, crossbow season in Wisconsin. So it's only been around for about two years. And <clears throat> it has received uh, a lot of people love it and a lot of people hate it. It's very uh, a dividing topic within the hunting community in Wisconsin. Um, but the... Um, you know, the article, at least the article that I read about this from Wisconsin Public Radio mentioned that uh, 40,000 uh, bucks. So not this isn't total deer. This is just bucks were harvested um, with archery equipment this past year. Um, 
that's 40 and and what the article mentions that's 40,000 bucks that are basically taken out before gun hunters can get to them and this is gonna this is a real dicey topic because i'm i'm not opposed i'll be honest i personally am not opposed to having a specific crossbow season that is shorter than the bow season i think that the rate of success with crossbows is significantly higher than with a regular uh drawn bow um and we in one of our previous podcasts we talked about you know uh crossbows and the distances that they're able to be successful at now which is you know getting into pretty outrageous ranges you know over 100 yards um so I have my concerns with the the crossbow season being as long as the regular bow season. Um, so I'm not opposed to having a crossbow season. Uh, I don't know. What do you think, Zach? Well, I think that uh, the archery season is in place for uh, – one of the main purposes it's in place for is opportunity. You get a lot more days to hunt. You get a lot more opportunities to hunt. Um them trying to blow this number out of proportion and show that they're trying to show you that or say that the way too many deer are getting killed with archery equipment. It sounds like a bias because he says that's 40,000 bucks, which are taken from the landscape before gun season. But with this extended season for archery equipment in place and everything, that just gives these gun hunters a chance to get their bucks killed before gun season and you know a gun hunter that's strictly a gun hunter picking up a crossbow is going to be a lot more comfortable than picking up a vertical bow um you know i'm not not saying that just a october only season is a bad idea i mean it comes down to revenue and license sales which they also talk about in this article and yeah, which I, I think we should talk about that in and of itself is the, the income from this. You still, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, but oh, do you want to dive into that now? Oh, no, no, no. We'll, we'll hold off. But yeah, no, continue with the, the crossbow because my, my thought is, is, and I totally agree with you with the comfort level because I know a ton of guys that never were archery hunters and have never picked up a vertical bow but just bought crossbows once they became legal and we're like, sweet. Now I get an extra two months to, to hunt, uh, you know, essentially without, uh, you know, really not having to learn a new skill per se, it's the same general idea, you know, they have scopes on their crossbows. And so it's the same idea. Um, right. And then when it comes down to license sales, I mean, that's kind of the main driver of what you need and when you need it as, as far as, uh, you know, state revenue and things like that. So having staggered openers like vertical bow opener, crossbow opener, gun season opener, kind of staggered like that, that gets more people excited and then more uh, people to get out or anticipating to get out than it would as just, uh, you know, kind of a, all right, archery and crossbows are all open. Now gun season's open and then, stuff like that so and i think the numbers show that crossbows aren't actually statistically better or more uh significant yeah i think it's not as significant as everybody wants to think 
not to say that it's not. I mean, it can be, but I think it's just that's kind of an inflated number that some people try and put out is that it's so much easier when in reality you're still looking for that 20 to 50-yard shot. Yeah, well, and uh, the interesting thing, because I researched this uh, a while back, um, right after the gun season, so this was like in December, um, I was looking for the data, and the problem is, and I'd have to see, and I – if it is somewhere, I couldn't find it, um, at least for the Wisconsin DNR, was they lump crossbows into bow hunting. So it's really hard to derive the data um, specific to crossbows and see if there is a uh, statistically significant number taken with crossbows. Because uh, I don't think you're required, if I recall correctly, you're not required to put that on your tags whether you're hunting, you could buy a crossbow tag, but when you report the deer, you don't say, I took this with a crossbow or I took this with a bow. It's just archery. Yeah, it's just archery. So, um, yeah, it's really hard to drive the statics. I, I did try and look into this at the end of the season. Um, and yeah, we don't it, know the demographic either, right? We don't know if vertical bow users are switching to crossbows. We don't know if gun hunters want to take advantage of the bow season with the crossbow. We just don't know who's using it. So that 40,000, I mean, that could be the gun hunters getting their yeah before the gun season, but we don't know that. They're just saying in this article that, oh, there's 40,000 deer basically taken from the gun hunters by the archery hunters. And I think that just the way he said it sounds a little biased. I I would I would have to agree. I would absolutely have to agree with that because you're you're absolutely right. There is that forty thousand. That could be thirty thousand gun hunters that bought crossbow. You know that, and I'm just using this as an example. This is not you know probably accurate at all, but that could be thirty thousand um, gun hunters that bought crossbows and then went and got their buck early in the season. Now they're not now gun hunting is just a, an added bonus for them. Right. That's the so, kind of stuff that those numbers will never be able to tell. Yeah, exactly. Unless you came up with a question, you know, unless you had a mandatory questionnaire, you know, something like the uh the hip survey or something like that where you made it mandatory that they answer these questions. Um yeah. But uh yeah, I don't know. It is uh that is a very interesting thought on it and also i would like to make note that forty thousand bucks uh just to put that into perspective during gun season alone uh in 2000 uh or in 2019 season 168 thousand deer were killed during gun season alone so yeah it's a drop in the bucket yeah so i mean that's one you know that's one fourth of uh the the total deer that are killed just during gun season. Um, and I would also like to point out that, uh, in 2018 in the gun season, there was 219,000 deer killed just during the gun season. So it's not like there's a lack of deer is what I'm going to say. And that's the other thing too, is, I mean, that's what 40 something thousand more. So it almost, the numbers almost, replicate each other but just move around seasons exactly you're that is a very astute statement because if you figure 168,000 were killed in 2019 but 40,000 were killed during the archery season that comes out to 208,000 deer total 
whereas 219,000 just gun season 2018. So, you know, it's a horse apiece almost is what it seems like. It just seems like those that are willing to get out early or purchase a crossbow or purchase a, a you know, a vertical bow are getting their deer earlier as opposed to later in the season. Right. It's all about just giving the public opportunities. Yeah. Um, well, Zach, I know we, we kind of mentioned it. Um, you want to touch it. I'd love to hear your opinion on, you know, the, the income aspect of this, of, you know, the revenue generation that the potential for having a 20 day season would have or 19 day season. Yeah. Um, well, did you want to do the li- the other couple little ones before that big ending one? Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, because there's a couple I wanted to touch on too. Because the next one, uh, eliminating the four day antlerless only hunt in December, I I know family members that have done it. They're they're not very successful, but that's another good reason just to get out in the woods. I think that's a good little uh, little bonus to have. Um, I don't know if it's really too popular or not, but uh, that's just kind of my take on it. I don't know if you have anything to say about that one. Um, I didn't hunt the antler list, antler list this year, um, but I know people that do, and I, I I see the benefit in it. Absolutely, you know, it's a good way to you know put meat in your freezer. I I don't see any reason why not. I I don't think taking that away would do anything. Yeah, the. Uh, so now we get to the big one that really kind of chaps my ass that they brought up is uh, banning hunting for two to five days before the start of the gun season. And that just, that one really pisses me off because then that gives such a big, uh, you know, such a big preference to the deer hunters that it it just burns me that you're going to put deer physically put deer hunters over every other type of hunter out there that are giving the same amount of time in the field. They're buying licenses. They're doing all the same stuff deer hunters are, but that just kind of makes me upset. And, and what, uh, what other stuff would typically just for those listening, what other stuff would be typically hunted during that time? Uh, all small game is still open. Duck season still open. Um, gosh, archery season still butts up right to the day before gun season. Um, you know, there's under small game, there's a huge number of animals and, you know, you and I both know people that hunt just about anything in Wisconsin that can be hunted. And that's kind of right around the time that all that stuff's happening. I know, I know guys that walk out to the archery stand with a shotgun over their shoulder too. Just if they see a squirrel. Yeah. I mean, just, I I understand that (laughs) big draw, it's the big, uh, big money builder, but it just kind of burns me that if I want to go out duck hunting someday, you're going to restrict my, you're going to tell me I can't duck hunt because you're trying to make it nice and quiet for all the deer hunters. Yeah. And so, and I'm wondering, maybe this article is just mis written and i wonder because it it specifically says that banning hunting for two to five days leading up to the start of november gun season and whether archery or crossbow buck tags should be invalidated during the gun season i'm wondering if they're referring specifically to just banning 
deer hunting during those, uh, you know, two to five days? No, or they're not they're... because I read an article too saying that they wanted to quiet down the woods and just keep it calm right before gun season. Yeah, that's, yeah, no, that's, that's not fair to the hunters at large. I, that's BS. Yeah. That is, that is BS. Yeah. Yeah. That's what you, I, read. You... I mean, I hope that that's not, you know, if they wanted to ban archery hunting or something that's one thing a couple days leading up because you know they have splits in other states like that but i i would not stand for you telling me i can't go out and duck hunt or squirrel hunt or do any hunting season that would you know uh usually be open just to kind of make the woods calmer for the deer hunters to roll in and mess everything up again yeah and that's even and I know, and and you could attest. I, I think you and I have gone out duck hunting during deer season. It's the best and, time to be in the marsh is deer season. Yeah, well, and and the deer hunters get butt hurt already when you're out in the, out in the, you know, you're out in the marsh and you're popping a few rounds off, and you're scaring their deer. I, you know, and yeah, I think this is just another nod at. I don't know. I think they should be supporting all hunters instead of trying to, you know, you can't uh, 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 please the please the few and hurt the many. You know what I mean? Uh, it's yeah, that that's messed up if they if they follow through with this. But once again, this is all just proposed question, uh, proposed ideas on a questionnaire. So if you are if you do get this questionnaire, you may want to consider really reading into that and thinking about the uh, the ramifications of that uh you know if you're a duck hunter uh goose hunter a you know whatever squirrel anything else besides deer um yeah and that i mean i've i've duck hunted in places that bow hunters are bow hunting around and they get all pissed off that we're duck hunting and then we just get honked at for like i've literally had guys sit on the body of water just honking their horn for like five minutes straight just to tell us that they're pissed off and i just say to myself i don't give a shit if you're pissed <laughs> off this is public land buddy i'm i'm duck hunting i'm shooting ducks like get used to it yeah yeah no i don't uh i don't disagree with that at all yeah it's messed up but um i think another thing um i think another thing to note on this and maybe this is where this is coming from which I I don't think there's much you can do about this at this point in time, but basically what they said is that the uh, the number of licenses has gone down significantly. And now uh, what was the exact number? I forget what the exact number is, but basically they're seeing pretty significant declines in uh, deer licenses. Uh, they've dropped uh, 20% in gun deer licenses between 1994 in 2018, so in the last 24 years, it's dropped 20% in gear, deer licenses. I get it. I get where they're coming from. I see that they want to sell more licenses because that, which will lead us uh, in, you know, if we do end up talking about the Pittman-Robertson Act, um, that is money for conservation that they're losing out on. And I see where their concerns are, but, you know, uh, use other initiatives. You don't need to screw all the other hunters. Yeah. 
Exactly. And, and too, if you look at the demographics, I mean, everybody's getting older. The average hunter is getting older. So that's kind of what is going to be expected because there were so many baby boomers that were hunting and now there's not as many to follow up. So you're going to have to figure something out for more outreach, but I don't like you exactly like you said, restricting other hunters isn't going to be it. No, no, so, you're going to get, sorry, oh. go ahead. No, no, I was going to say, yeah, just, there's got to be another, another way because you may be losing deer hunters, but if you restrict hunting, now you're losing duck hunters. Not, you know, you're, you're, you're once it's, it doesn't seem like a good method. Yeah. So let's just, let's just bounce into the, the last biggest uh, proposal that I have an issue with and, We'll see if you do as well, but the 19-day gun season in Wisconsin. For those of you that aren't from Wisconsin or maybe not from the Midwest, uh, you know, Wisconsin gun season was is uh, the holy week, as we call it. It's nine, <laughs> nine days long. The, Deer camp, baby. Deer camp. Yep, the Saturday before Thanksgiving till the Sunday after. Um, it's just... Uh, kind of one of those deals or it always has been always will be like austin said there was 160 something thousand deer shot last year and the numbers i've heard like usually 80 percent of that happens on opening morning uh, it's over one deer dies per second for the entire day of opening day um jesus you know that kind of rolls into what we're gonna discuss here is like is expanding that 10 more extra days really going to be worth it and uh what's his face on this article mentioned that forty thousand deer are getting taken before the gun hunters get to them well so it seems like their alternative to that is just let gun hunters shoot more deer and that doesn't really make sense as a major management technique why would you just let gun hunters shoot more deer with gun tags if it if there's not enough science backed up behind it. Yeah. So my, Jesus. So my thoughts are on this is that it's a twofold model on their part. And I don't think it's necessarily based on conservation. My thought, at least in my head is that if they extend it, from what is it currently it's uh, 11 days i think right now right nine 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 days so you're basically getting two weekends right yep the weekend before and the weekend after thanksgiving you're basically adding a third weekend or is that four weekends you're adding yeah so you're adding ten days so then it would be another weekend plus a couple days during the week yeah so my thought is, is that this is also a tourism benefit that they get people up now, not for two weekends, but for three weekends is they get people to these small towns, get people up from Illinois, get people over from Minnesota, from Michigan, wherever have you. Um, they're getting a, a, a bonus weekend for tourism. And if they get successful hunters, which you, I guess, theoretically, which I don't think it's accurate, but theoretically you'd get a higher success rate just based on time, which just like you said, most of them are shot opening morning. So your success rate is not going to increase that much. 
So my thought is, is if their concern is getting rid of more deer, getting more deer managed, make it, you know, two bucks a guy or whatever. You know what I mean? There's ways around this. You can increase the amount of deers allotted per person as opposed to extending the season. And I think having that short season actually gets more people out there. It's supply and demand. Yeah, get it while Exactly. If you know that there's only nine days to go, you are going to get your butt up there or over there or wherever on that weekend and during that week. If you make it 19 days, you're getting, you know, then it's just lollygagging. It's uh, it's funny to see the numbers from last year in Wisconsin's nine day because I recently looked up Tennessee's end season because they're kind of that a close southern state to the Midwest, but they just have a month-long gun season for deer. Mm-hmm. And you know how many deer they kill in a month? How many? It's about 160,000 deer. So, yeah, so same, same, same thing. Same exact numbers, but they have 29 more days to do it in. Um, you know, and, and this whole thing kind of seems to contradict itself because the guy – or these, this proposal doesn't want that many crossbow hunters out in the woods because they're shooting too many deer, but then they want gun hunters to sh- have more opportunities to shoot more deer. So I just, the, the message is all kind of zigzagged in here. And, you know, with CWD going around and all this other stuff with the herd health happening right now, the, it seems like there's not really a major stance on it. And that's from public feedback from like you know all the earn a buck and cwd stuff and all these extra tags they get the public pushes back on it but then it's like oh well okay what do you want to do do you want to shoot more deer well then okay maybe we'll try and get you to shoot more deer with your gun then so it's just seems to be like a big back and forth game with their wording on everything yeah and and like you said i think the real trick here is to actually keep all of the seasons distinct and keep them separate. Because if you want revenue, you're going to want different tags for, you know, different licenses for different things. And if you made a, a boat, like if you made, and right now I don't, and I could be wrong, I've never hunted with a crossbow, but is there a specific crossbow license that you need to purchase in Wisconsin? So you need to buy your archery tag plus a $3 upgrade. And that $3 upgrade is your crossbow permit. So your archery tag plus your upgrade to a crossbow. And I I think the archery tag is like, what, 17 bucks or something like that? Um, Uh, It might be 24, something around there. Yeah, yeah, 24, something like that. Um, But uh, imagine if you had a you know, an archery, so a vertical bow, $24, and that covers you for the entirety of the archery season. Then you need to buy a second $24 crossbow tag if you want to hunt with a crossbow that limits you just to October. And then you had to get your gun tag if you wanted to do gun hunting. Then you'd have three licenses that you'd have to get. And then, yeah, I don't know, that to me seems like the better model if you want to increase revenue. As opposed to just, okay, let's make the gun season super long so that people don't buy crossbow tags or archery tags and get out earlier in the season. Yeah, I mean, it, it sh- studies show stag- having staggered openers like that 
the people get cabin fever, they get anxious, and you have more people showing up for these things. And I mean, that's to, that's kind of one of the first steps you need to do if you want to increase, uh, you know, hunter uh, recruitment and stuff. Yeah, no, I, I totally, yeah, I, yeah, this just seems so convoluted and kind of backwards thinking. It just seems like they're, they're, it all comes out to the same result. Okay, <laughs> so, they're trying, they're just trying to nitpick everything to, to please the one group, but it's the biggest group, but it's still just one group. Of- <clears throat> well, yeah, and it's, um, I don't know, it is, uh, I don't, yeah, it's just it, it seems interesting to me that they that they wouldn't that they're just trying to get into gun hunters, which, as you know, and my other thought is, is it's getting arguably and depending on what state you're in, it's getting more difficult to purchase firearms. But for the most part, to purchase crossbows and bows, it is still as easy as it's ever been. And either of them is 300 bucks out the door. Yeah, not yeah. You're buying a thousand dollar rifle. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, I don't know. It, just, it it is very. I don't know what they're what the. It doesn't seem like they have. Is their end goal to get more money? Is their end goal to shoot more deer? Is their end goal to do both? I don't. I don't get it. And I think this is indicative of a of a greater problem of just recruiting hunters to get to go out and hunt. Yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd be very curious to see who of the gun hunters are switching to crossbows and what the, what the crossbow demographic is and where stems the greatest uh, population from that, you know? Well, and this is just anecdotal for me, but all of the crossbow hunters that I know are gun hunters that never bow hunted before and just switched directly to crossbow. Yeah, and then I know people that have started with crossbow and then moved up to vertical bow. So it just, I, I don't know. I think that gun gun hunters are getting a lot of draw to crossbows, and that's great. I don't think that should change at all. I think that if more people crossbow hunting, you know, you might get less people gun hunting, but you're still selling those licenses. I, I'd be curious to see if they're actually – total numbers of every single season selling somewhat the same light number of licenses in the last five years, because maybe they're just jumping around. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's what it, uh, what it kind of comes down to. So, well, I think we've covered all the topics in this and we're closing in on an hour here. Um, did you have any closing remarks? No, I mean, there was other, uh, proposals too about someone is thinking the season was too late and stuff like that and down here the season in missouri is another is also a nine day and it runs a whole week before that gun season i think opening day was like the 15th or something of november and i know minnesota's is like that too and but then like iowa's is like the first saturday of december so I think there can be some play there if you really think that can change recruitment and stuff. I think that would be the first thing you could think about. But uh, outside of that, I think some of these other things are preposterous, and I think some of them are 
or need a lot of tweaking before you actually propose something that's worth a darn. Yeah. Yeah. No, I would, uh, I would have to agree with those statements and kind of my takeaway from this is whether you agree with us, disagree with us, whatever it may be. Um, I would highly recommend, uh, you know, speaking with your representatives from the conservation Congress or from the natural resources board. Um, if you receive one of these questionnaires, give your two cents on it, whether you are opposed or for or whatever you think. But um, definitely look at the numbers. Think long and hard about how this actually affects hunting in Wisconsin and how your success rate, not only for yourself, but for future generations and what what future generations of hunters will look like. The future of hunting in Wisconsin may not be gun season. It may be bow season. I know that's getting a lot more popularity on social media and other things from people like Joe Rogan to, um, you know, these big uh, manufacturers of, of bows and crossbows. I mean, it's, I don't know, could be the next big thing. But, yeah, just uh, definitely look into that. If you get one of these questionnaires, definitely fill it out and return it and uh, speak to your representatives from the Conservation Congress if you are a Wisconsin resident. So that's all I got for that. And try bow hunting. Try crossbow hunting if you're just a gun hunter and stuff like that. It's a lot of fun. And you guess what? Nobody else is in the woods wherever you're at. And if somebody and, go to your option B and nobody will be in your option B, I can almost guarantee it. Yep, and uh, my two cents is someone who is not a huge fan of sitting and freezing their nuggets off in a stand. Uh, <laughs> you can do it while it's still warm out, or at least reasonably warm out, bow hunting. Yep. You know, you're, you're not going to die of frostbite. You could actually go out on some days in just a hoodie and just hunt in a hoodie and not have to worry about freezing. Um, like my so- first deer this year is 102 degrees outside. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, just stuff to think about. But I think, Zach, I think that's really our main topic today is this, uh, you know, this Wisconsin proposal. Um, I'm so good with that. That's kind of a, a public outreach type of deal. Absolutely. So, um, well, Zach, I think we could uh, kind of go into some of our closing stuff here. Um, we're going to do our new segment or new-ish segment. We've had it before. Um, Zach, what do you got cooking for us? What do I... What do I smell that the Zach is cooking? You smell that? <laughs> uh, let's see. Two, I think it was two days ago now. Um, me and Tracy made, we browned up some venison. We made some uh, sloppy joe sauce. And then we put all that with onions and celery and We even added some pickles to it. We chopped it all up into the sloppy joe sauce, and then we threw the venison in there. We actually put all that onto a pizza, topped it with mozzarella, and threw it in the oven. And it was amazing. Really? And did you get did you get a pre cooked uh, uh, like uh, pizza crust, or did you uh, did you make the crust? We've done both. This time I got a pre-cooked or just a pre-cut round. Um, One pound of ground venison. We got two 12-inch pizzas out of with our uh, sloppy joe sauce and stuff. So we just kind of threw that in the fridge and she's been taking it to work. I've been eating it for dinner, all that stuff. And it's been amazing. 
Damn, that sounds good. And you got a second one? Yep. Or, Let's, or cooking? Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. We made two pizzas oh. out of it. Oh, okay. I thought you said you had two. Well, I got um uh I well I had a I had some good venison this weekend, which I don't know how it was cooked. But um <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, they cooked it in one of those egg, those green eggs. It was damn good. Ooh, um, like those yeah, it's a smoker, isn't it? Yeah, it's like a smoker grill combo thing. I don't know. I'm I'm too poor to afford one. Um, yeah. but, but, uh, I think, and I don't know if I talked about it last week. I may have, I don't remember. Um, but I made a, I made some venison in a slow cooker. Um, so I did, uh, cream of mushroom soup, yep. um, a bunch of, uh, cut just regular, I don't know, the regular round top mushrooms, um, some green onions, some green peppers, a little bit of flour to thicken up the uh, the soup. A little bit of water, uh, some garlic, and uh, you just the the hindquarters of a venison, probably about a three pound uh, piece. Um, put that in the slow cooker for about four hours, four or five hours on uh, on medium, and uh, man, it came out delicious. I just finished it off today. Um, you say so quick. Are you talking about crockpot? Yeah, crockpot. Yep. Okay. And uh, so, and I was taking that out, and I was using it for everything. Like I put it in my omelets this weekend when we were snowmobiling. I was cutting up the venison, putting it in my scrambled eggs. Um, I was just eating it plain. Uh, and the sauce. So once you like slow cook it, that gravy, if you want to call it that. Um, yeah, I was just pouring it on everything, and it was uh, it was damn good. That sounds so, good. Really, really tough to beat. Uh... A venison crockpot meal, you can kind of just throw anything at it and it'll just come out good. Oh, yeah. And I, I cut the, I when I first came out, I cut two big chunks out of it, like probably like half a pound a piece. I just ate two fat steaks off of it. <laughs> oh, Ooh, yeah. buddy, was that good. Oh, man. Was that, was that four shit. hours on low or high? Uh, mine has three settings, so I had medium. Okay. Yeah, so... Yeah, I don't know. It was good. Yeah, it was like four hours, four or five hours, something like that. I don't know. I did it after work, and it was done by ten o'clock, so probably four hours. Um, but yeah, it was damn good. Um, yeah, well, on the topic of food um, and b- what goes along with food is beverage. Uh, Zach, to for uh, you know our our classic uh, moment here, hot gear, cold beer. What do you got for me? Uh, cold beer, I'm going a little bit different. I've been really into Bloody Marys these past couple of days. Um, just something nice to, uh, kind of have with dinner or after dinner, but I just put a bunch of veggies in there and been really hot on the Bloody Marys lately. Wisconsin, that's a Wisconsin breakfast right there. Yeah. I mean, I could almost just drink the tomato juice with popping <laughs> and not have any vodka in it and just be as happy. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's just nice, refreshing. Get your veggies in, get a little buzz. And that, that's kind of what I've been hot on for that. And then uh, hot gear. Uh, oh, I got, uh, I mentioned before I had a uh, outdoor edge knife with the replaceable blades. Yeah. I actually just got a Havilon knife as well, and that thing has been amazing. Sometimes I was having trouble skinning all my critters with that outdoor edge because you kind of slide 
the blade in between the two big grooves that run up the back side of the blade. And I was having a bunch of fur get, like gummed up in the back of that edge. Yeah. But the Havilons are basically just a little tiny notch. And then you just slide blades in and out of that notch. And the notch is kind of sits in the middle of the where the blade is. The blade has a big circle in the center of it. So you don't you don't have any like backing. It's just a blade. If you can kind of picture what I'm saying. Kind of. There's like a hole in the bottom center of the blade, and that's where you yeah. slide it in and out of the notch. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying now. Yeah. But so that, that's been real slick for, you know, just skinning a bunch of critters, and it's all replaceable blades. And then I also got a, uh, I forget who makes it. It might be Minnesota Trap Line. But uh, tail pullers for skinning critters, I guess. Oh, okay, yeah. Aluminum tail pullers, and they've been awesome for me lately too. They, I've always kind of screwed them up with the tail pullers, so then I turned away from it for a while, and I just kind of hand scun the tails. But then that's a lot of work, and you mess that up about half the time too. But I got a good uh, aluminum or steel set, and. It's worked for me every time so far. So, you know what I've I, I actually use for pulling my tails, at least, and I haven't done that many, but just uh, the tails that I pull to make fishing lures. Um, I actually use wire strippers. Oh really? Yeah. So I just and I mean that works for like squirrels and stuff. Yeah. Once you got to like bigger than like I've used it on raccoons, and um, yeah, I just use like my standard. You know, I got a set of decent. Uh, wire you know like your typical multi electrical multi-tool um and i've used a wire stripper on that and it seems to work pretty decent that's cool yeah i've heard uh i've also heard guys just putting a nail on the top and the bottom of the tailbone and gripping it so i mean there's a there's a hundred different ways to do it but i found a cheap set on amazon for pullers and i like it so far it also came with like a little uh angled blade and you kind of just put it on the base of the tail and the blade's kind of facing you. So mm-hmm. you pull it towards you and that cuts that tail open to start with. Oh, okay. I see. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, it seems like a good little, good little thing. Um, yeah, no, that sounds good. Um, I guess for me this week, um, well, I, I have two, two hot, uh, hot or cold beers, excuse me. Um, one, I had uh, this. I, I was at Pike's Pine Isle. Big shout out, Pike's Pine Isle. Had many beverages there. Up in sponsor Lake, us. Wisconsin. Please sponsor us. Please, for the love of God, I would love that more than anything in this world. Is that Pike's Pine Isle sponsor us? Um, but um, when we were up there, me and the uh, and the girlfriend, we were up there snowmobiling. We get over there and we get a nice pizza. And we're like, you know what? It's been a long day of snowmobiling. We want to get something warm and uh, cozy. I had a uh, hot chocolate with uh, peppermint schnapps in it and a lot of whipped cream. And it was a tasty little treat. I'm a big fan of peppermint schnapps on a cold day. Yeah, in, in the hot chocolate. It was real good. I'm not, you know, uh, but the, I mean, it's Wisconsin, so it was like 50-50. So getting towards <laughs> the bottom of it, I was just guzzling mouthwash. 
with a little bit of chocolate flavor. And but- it's in a <laughs> snowmobile town too, so you can't you can't legally leave without getting absolutely blasted. <laughs> Uh, more or less yes more or less yes um i don't condone drinking and snowmobiling but um but they just make those darn trails so dang close to those bars don't they it's weird how every trail goes through every single bar <laughs> in a 20 mile radius um but yeah i had that that was good and you know what i had for the first time and i didn't drink the whole thing but i was uh kind of stealing it from the girlfriend was a black cherry white cloth they oh, yeah. are not. They are not terrible. They're no. not as bad as I was expecting. That's the most uh, the most doable flavor of any of those seltzers. Yeah, and I'm not a seltzer guy at all, but um, they, they it was decent. I, I big ups. You know, I'm 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 a believer. I can see where people uh, where people like them. Um, <clears throat> but for my hot gear, I'm going to go with which. Uh, please sponsor us. <laughs> Makuni, for those that are gearheads, I'm sure you've heard of Makuni. Uh, they make carburetors and various other uh, engine components for uh, two-stroke motors. Uh, so I've been having a hell of a time with my snowmobile, my 1988 Phaser. Uh, I've been having a hell of a time. It wasn't running right, <clears throat> this and that. And um, so I went through every from the pistons down to the crankshaft down to the you name it. I've gone through every freaking component on that thing. And then I got all the way down to the fuel pump. I was like, last thing I'm going to check is this fuel pump. It was clapped out. So I just ordered <laughs> uh, earlier this week. I ordered a Makuni fuel pump for the sled. Installed it right before I did this podcast. Two poles. That old girl was purring like a kitten. <laughs> so, Makuni, big up, sponsor Doherty Racing, sponsor Between Two Pines. <laughs> I love you. You brought my old girl back to life. So, that's that's all I got uh, this week is the Makuni fuel pump for the 1988 Phaser snowmobile. That's what I got. All right, Zach, uh, I think that kind of closes it out for uh, episode 10 here. Uh, do you have any closing remarks? Uh, no. You know, all, all the talked about some controversial stuff today. You don't really, you don't have to agree with us on any of it, but just uh, you know, make sure your voice is heard for anything that you support or don't support, and uh, that's kind of all that we can do as outdoors people is show our interest or disinterest and in kind of new. Uh, new facets of what's going on in the outdoors. Yeah, no, I, I could agree with that. Yeah. I would say, um, yeah, just, uh, be active, uh, with a lot of this stuff, these questionnaires, I know people probably get them in the mail or get an email and just kind of throw them to the wayside, but they are, they're very important. They're, they're what decides our laws. Um, and that's the beauty of living in a democracy. Um, I actually have been, I actually got picked to do, uh, those wingby deals you know what those are no uh so duck hunters get picked at random to send in their wings of every duck they shoot just to kind of get a rundown of what people are shooting and where they're shooting them at so uh it actually started last year in iowa i sent them like 100 wings or something and they give you actually a summary saying 
what every duck that you shot, they send that back to you, giving you a summary of your season and where you shot them at. So, uh, I mean, just little, I mean, you get to do cool stuff like that for surveys and you just, uh, I'm sure it was just because I filled out certain stuff that they've sent me previously, but just, uh, fill out all your stuff and it helps out a lot. And then you get to kind of do some cool stuff. I did it again this year and I think I get to do it every year until I say I don't want to do it anymore. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So yeah, just be active in the hunting community. Um, you know, go to different stuff. If you're in Wisconsin, um, you know, like I said, be active with this new questionnaire. Oh yes. Um, that's another thing we should plug to Austin is that they said, uh, the conservation Congress spring hearings will be in all 72 counties. So please go look up your County and figure out when they're going to that and go. So you can go to the hearing about all those deer season changes. Yes, absolutely. And uh, maybe if we find out exactly the dates and everything, maybe we can uh, post that up if they if the DNR posts a schedule. Um, but with that being said, follow us on Instagram. We have not been as good as we probably should be about posting stuff, but we are going to be on it now because we kind of got backlogged at the start of the new year. But we're back on it. We're on a normal schedule now. Next podcast will be or every podcast should be released on Sundays. Um, so we'll be good, hopefully good to go from here on out. Um, we'll be posting stuff on Instagram, follow us at between two pines pod on Instagram. Um, we are on all major carriers of podcasts. Um, give us a listen, let us know what you think and feel free to message direct message us on Instagram. Any questions, any topics you want us to cover? We'd love to hear from you. Um, Yeah, and that's all we got.